0: The kitchens, the dining rooms, the tables, our apartment, our house, the smells, the yelling and the laughing. I laugh now and I appreciate them now because I understand all the different parts of the universe that were orbiting around my plate of food. The stress and the work and the sports team practices and the children and I know what comes after. Over here, gentlemen. I, I have a table reserved for us. Start afternoon, start gentlemen. Please not yourselves because I recognize you. again. These are dangerous times. You make a lot times, out times, when I tell times, the truth. I'm Joe Stracci, and I better start writing this down. Episode seventeen. The Food My Mother Made, Part 2 If you're listening to this without first having heard Episode 16, Part 1 of this two-part series, stop now. You'll need the introduction. Okay, here goes. Chapter 2 Lipton Alfredo Pasta. Sometimes busy family life demands dinner solutions that are quick and easy. Gnor and Walmart have you covered with meals that go from raw ingredients to steaming hot dishes in 30 minutes or less. Our featured recipe is quick and easy tortellini Alfredo with spinach and ham. It's hearty meal that gets dinner on the table fast without compromising taste. When I was researching the food in this episode, I found out that Lipton pasta in a pouch doesn't even exist anymore. Well, it does. Except now, it's sold by a company called Knorr. With two R's. I'm assuming they bought Lipton's pasta in a pouch business at some point since the early 90s. This chapter, this dish, introduces a concept, a theme, that will repeat throughout this episode. Food in a bag. Or a box. Or a pouch. A meal that was already prepared and just needed reconstituting. A slight rejiggering. In this case, noodles and a magic powder that when sprinkled over average, cheap, easy-to-cook food, turned into something else. To this day, I'm a bad Italian. I dislike almost all cream-based sauces on pasta. And I can't help but think that this disinterest has its roots in the Lipton pouch. When cooked, it smelled wrongly of cheese. Of feet, really and not in that good aged cheese way. It was gloopy from whatever thickener was used, likely cornstarch, and oily once it sat. And oh, because of how long it took me to eat it, did it sit. I remember this being a meal on its own sometimes, but also as a side dish, most painfully so, with the pork chops that I'll get to in a a minute. Minute. Save time with convenience products like Canor sides, plus veggies, Canor soups, and classic sauces. Supplement the main dish with an easy side salad or a hearty bowl of Canor soup. Special today, Mrs. Cooper. Nice plump fries. Oh, Henry says my chicken tastes a little greasy. That's because you fry it. Yeah, well, what do you do with a fryer? Shake and bake. Just shake and bake. Your chicken's crisp and tender like fried, but not as greasy as fried. Because it isn't fried, you can even taste the difference. they will be so pleased. Starting tonight, shake and bake. It's better than frying. Fried, 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 fried. Chapter 3. Shake and Bake Pork Chops. According to Wikipedia, Shake and Bake, manufactured by Kraft Foods, is a flavored breadcrumb-style coating for chicken and pork. The product is applied by placing raw meat pieces in a bag containing the coating, closing the bag, and shaking so the particles adhere. The coated meat is then baked in the oven or microwave. First introduced in 1965 by General Foods, it is currently marketed under the Kraft brand. Shake and Bake. More food in a bag. Another time saver. Shake and bake was breadcrumbs, dried spices, even the plastic bag was included. The thing I remember most about pork chops prepared this way was the bottom, not the top. And the top was pretty bad. It wound up crunchy. Too crunchy, actually. And the included spices burned. But the bottom... Because of the moisture let off by the cooking chops, the breadcrumbs had turned into a soggy, colorless paste. What paste wasn't left behind on the aluminum foil lubricated the plate underneath the chop, which made sawing through an unsettling chore. This was way, way before the USDA had ruled that pork could be safely cooked to medium. Not that my mother would have anyway. To this day, I can call up the texture in my mind, 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 my mind. Chapter 4 Hamburger Helper. I didn't have a dog growing up, but that didn't stop me from insisting that Hamburger Helper smelled of, and tasted like, dog food. This time, my mother's assistant was food in a box, rather than a bag. And the name, straight out of a retro 70s, you've come a long way, baby, kitchen, you can almost hear the disembodied, gin-soaked voice of the announcer, Hamburger Hamburger Helper. Helper because what woman on the go doesn't need some help in the kitchen? As a cook now, I'm fetishistic about breaking up ground beef when I use it in a recipe. I think it stems from my mother's hamburger helper. Some of the pieces of meat were tiny, almost absorbed into the reconstituted sauce. Others were hunk so large you'd assume them to be underdone, but were still gray all the way through. One of the varieties. Flavors is probably the right word here, but it's nauseating to think of it that way. Of Hamburger Helper. I want to say it was the lasagna box, but I'm not totally sure. Included a milk powder-based sauce that was reconstituted. It's scary how often I'm using this word, reconstituted, but I know of no other that captures the same idea. And was spooned over the top. It was and remains for me, like hamburger helper in general, horrifying. Chapter five, Wishbone Italian Dressing Chicken with Mustard. This was a meal that my mother often cooked on Sunday nights, before another school week began. We would actually wind up eating it later in the week, reheated. The Italian dressing was always Wishbone brand. A marinade in a bottle, simple, a plastic tube of instant liquid flavor. I'm old enough that I even remember when it was still a glass bottle. There were no spices to keep on hand, no oil and vinegar to emulsify. I imagine it might have worked better if it had been left to marinate overnight. But even then, I don't know. Back then, my mother rarely cooked with the basic seasoning duo of salt and pepper. She did later on, at my insistence, sometimes. And so this chicken wound up overcooked, underflavored, and that was before it was reheated again. During mealtime, my mom would convince me to dip the chicken into mustard, saying she had done the same when she was a child. Looking back, I think it was because the mustard, golden spicy of course, coated the tongue with the flavor of mustard, masking the chicken. The one good thing that came out of this meal was that it was usually paired with a knish. If you aren't familiar, it's essentially an Eastern European potato-filled dough pocket. The knish was also dipped in mustard, which is how I still eat them to this day. 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 Breadcrumbs. If you think they're all alike, you should taste breadcrumbs with imported Italian Romano cheese. You'll find this delicious pecorino Romano flavor in 4 sea ready flavored breadcrumbs, along with parsley, onion, nutmeg, garlic, coriander, sage, and of course, breadcrumbs. If you think breadcrumbs are just breadcrumbs, taste 4C and taste the difference in Ported Italian or cheese makes. 4C, they're not just breadcrumbs. Chapter 6 Chicken Cutlets Breaded with 4C breadcrumbs and Idaho mashed potatoes. As my wife tells it, as a kid, she used to get a plain chicken cutlet, wrap it in a paper towel, and go back to watching TV eating it the same way we give our daughter a yogurt pouch now. But for a long time, I thought I didn't like plain chicken cutlets. I thought that I preferred them as the protein in some kind of sauced dish. Parmesan, Florentine, Marsala. But then I started making them myself, and I realized I just didn't like my mother's chicken cutlets. It wasn't even that they were particularly bad, just average, I suppose. I remember more the 4C breadcrumbs, the black and white cardboard cylinder, this was way, way before Panko, and exactly where they were kept in the supermarket she always shopped in. The side dish with these 4C cutlets was always mashed potatoes, Idaho, a light blue box of mashed potato granules As it said, they were plopped artfully in a red bowl with a pad of obviously melted, but not runny, butter. On the box, that is. Ours were usually too grainy or too thick, and usually had, I can't believe it's not butter, in them, rather than real butter. Add on some frozen bird's eye peas. Oh, I'll get to them in a second. And you have one of the classic plates of food that I sat many times ruminating over long after dinner. dinner, Long after dinner. dinner, 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 Liz, you can't go to business if I'll starve. All I can make is hamburger. Why settle for dull hamburger? Make a super bird's eye supper. (laughs) (laughs) It's easy. Mix hamburger with bird's eye Americana New England style vegetables. Does green beans, corn, and that crunchy topping make supper? Fantastic. Still need me? Yes, but I won't die. Chapter Seven: Brussels Sprouts. Growing up, the vegetables in our house were almost always bought frozen. They were those flat white bricks, Bird's Eye brand, or Green Giant, that once home were stored in the shelves on the freezer door. Before eating, the frozen mass was put into a small saucepan with water and left to, I don't know what the word is, defrost, cook, boil? The end result was always soft and smelly, especially broccoli and lima beans. But worst of all were the Brussels sprouts, which tasted literally the way that garbage smells these days i'm mature enough to consider myself lucky to be able to make nutrition a determining factor in the meals my family eats my mother didn't always have the time or the money to do the same but her vegetables left emotional scars at the same time one of the few memories i have left of my father is when he would walk past me sitting at the table staring angrily at the plate of food in front of me. My mother would already be tackling the dishes at the sink, her back to me, and he would walk by, bringing her more dirty stuff to clean. As he did, he would reach down and pop one of my Brussels sprouts into his mouth and whisper, Now just finish the rest. and keep walking. I still don't know how he did it. Ah! Uh, I like the life's work. Well, it's not so baking a bagel. The and so easy bagel so it's crispy The bagel so bagel so bagel it's so soft The The so so easy baking a bagel and so is so <UTE> <and today>. <JR> bagel so so bagel Chapter 8, Bagels. 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 If you grow up in New York City, you grow up with a sense of superiority when it comes to bagels. My mother was from Brooklyn, and her Jewish background imbued her with an even greater sense of superiority. Bagels were a Jewish food, and the best bagels came from Brooklyn. Like her, and like her. I saved bagels for last because, while the genesis of this was the food my mother made that I disliked, I like, and still like, bagels very much. The bagel store around the corner from the apartment we lived in was the first place I was allowed to go by myself. I would put on my rollerblades and skate there on Sunday mornings, stopping first at the deli next door to get the newspapers and a container of cream cheese. This was back before blueberry bagels and sunflower seed bagels and gluten-free bagels. The entire menu at Just Bagels, no, really, that's what it was called, Just Bagels, was written with a Sharpie on a piece of paper and taped onto the little sliding window where you ordered. I got sesame, my dad got cinnamon raisin, and my mom got onion, sometimes and everything. Once my brother was born, he got plain, and we would sit around the kitchen table. I'd start reading the comic section, my dad the sports, and eat our bagels, and read the newspaper, and drink Tropicana orange juice, the brand that I insisted on, and whined incessantly about when Florida's best was on sale and my mother tried to sneak it past us. I don't know that I have a more recent, happier memory than that of my family intact. Epilogue. I'm pretty confident that I won't do this forever. By this, I mean this podcast. I'm not even sure the technology will remain in place long enough To say that the episodes I do make will live forever. So why do this? Specifically, why dive so deep on something so negative? I think it was the title of the New York Times Magazine piece, Memories of Meals Past, that finally slotted it all into place for me. The narrative frame of these meals, my meals, the construct of them, are just as alive. The kitchens, the dining rooms, the tables, our apartment, our house, the smells, the yelling and the laughing. I laugh now and I appreciate them now because I understand all the different parts of the universe that were orbiting around my plate of food. The stress and the work the sports team practices and the children and i know what comes after the little family that i've helped to build now we're fortunate to have the time that we have the free time that my mother did not have if i do nothing with the memories that i have eventually they'll fade but I want them to stay pure. If they were negative, I want them to remain so. Focusing in for so long on the soggy pork chops and the hamburger that had been helped allowed me to finally pull back and experience everything else in the frame. I will need this one day. Food is one of the strongest carriers of memory. A tradition. I don't have many unspoiled memories of my family as a whole. For a variety of reasons, I won't be creating anymore. The ones that I do have, almost all of them, involve food. Going forward with my own family to create memories with now, I will use this episode and everything I learned creating it both as a guide and as a warning. And one of my favorite things to do, something my wife and I are known for, is host parties and gatherings at our house. We like to plan the menu. We like to execute it. Most of all though, we like to see our friends and family enjoy it. Writing this episode, I came to see where the seed of that instinct was sown. And it's not the praise I'm after, we are after. The praise just for trying so damn hard that my mother deserved. It's the feeling I get when I look up and down our table mid-meal and see the enjoyment, the contentment. It's the satisfaction of seeing a plan come together. I had to improve upon her cooking, yes, but it was my mother who taught me that mindset. I started out warning her not to read this. I told you, I wasn't going to write this. Now, I only wish that she could see what I eventually cooked up. For more information about I Better Start writing this down, visit ibetterstart.net. The New York Times Magazine article that I mentioned is called Memories of Meals Past. It was published on October 30th, 2015. I've included a link to it in the show notes. If you want to support my show, there are three things you can do. Pledge a dollar or two at patreon.com forward slash ibetterstart. That's patreo ncom com forward slash ibetterstart. Once you've done that, and thank you so much for supporting me, if you do, you should know that most of your money this season has gone directly back into the show, paying for all the advertising that I've done on Facebook and on Twitter. You can, too, rate the show in iTunes. If you already have, thank you. And now convince a friend to. Rating the show in iTunes moves us onto an up list and in front of new eyeballs, and, hopefully, into new ears. After that, you can spark some chatter about the show on social media, share our Facebook posts, tag a friend in the comments on our Instagram pictures, retweet our tweets. I know it's stupid, hashtag, hashtags are stupid, but it helps to attract new listeners to the show, and that's what we really need to grow. I Better Start Writing This Down is sponsored by Audible. If you go to audibletrial.com forward slash ibetterstart, you can get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial and help to support the show all at the same time. That's not nothing, you know. Audible has over 150,000 titles to choose from. One title that I think IBS WTV listeners would enjoy is Food. A Love Story by Jim Gaffigan. As I said two weeks ago, when I was searching in Audible to find a book to recommend here, I almost went with Michael Collins' The Omnivore's Dilemma. But I decided that by the halfway mark, the season's skull and crossbones theme might have started to weigh on everyone. So I went with the laughs that Jim Gaffigan provides. To download Food, A Love Story for free, go to audibletrial.com. Forward slash I better start. Again, it's audibletrial.com forward slash I better start to help support the show and in return receive a free audiobook and a 30 day free trial. I better start writing this down has a social media presence that is just the right amount of crunchy on both sides. SoundCloud, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, Everywhere. All you need to remember our username in all of those spaces? I better start. That's it. Hopefully, you wrote it down. collection no this wide mouth jar I've never seen it before you realize how crazy you sound right now no I just have never yeah, seen two it I don't know where it came from yellow yeah, I gave you two drinks tonight Yeah. excuse me baby bo- give me two two drinks two drinks wow Mm. Mm. Anyone with grated cheese on, to- on the on top? No, no thank you. You? Yes. Hey Lou, you know who made tonight's dinner? Hey, it's for down you know who made tonight's dinner? Yeah. Patty. Yeah. She made it for us and sent it to us. She made us this nice tomato and cucumber salad, fresh from her garden. Wow. Can I have some cucumber? And she made that eggplant parmesan. Wow. That's who, who wants cucumbers? You want cucumber? Not this moment, I don't. Who wants a cucumber? Apparently apparently, eggplant parmesan is Bunny's favorite. Who wants it, Mama? Who made it? Patty. Yeah. She wanted to send us something. I just wanna know where this jar came from because I've literally never seen it. I mean I feel like you know and you're just not saying. (laughs) Yeah, you got it. Oh no, you know what? It was from the Coles Chili. That's what it was. Mystery solved. Mm-hmm. I thought you were like. Lou, mystery solved. We figured out where the one glass jar comes from. That's different from the 120 others well it is different it? yes i don't have any of this size that are wide mouth pods water chestnuts and bean sprouts plus the giant's own good vegetables has a delicious oriental flavor there's more yeah he has three delicious oriental vegetable combinations as honorable giants say ho, ho, ho. green giant